How do you manage a pivot? What do you tell people? How do you validate your ideas? What if things aren't working out of plan? That's what we're talking about today. I'm Lou Blazer, and you're listening to Second Breaks, a weekly show where we explore stories of people navigating a changing world of work and thriving in their chosen careers. This is episode number 98. You know, there are a lot of moving parts when you're making a pivot or a change in direction. From the moment the idea of a change first shows up in your head, to making a decision about it, yay or nay, to planning it, to testing your assumptions, to making it happen, there's a lot of juggling and the managing of things, of ideas, of priorities, of feelings, of fears, of resources, of plans. It doesn't matter what kind of a pivot it is. And depending on the level of change that you're making, this period may last a week, a month, a year, longer even. And the risk of getting stuck, feeling overwhelmed, or getting frustrated and quitting is always present. And so I've always been a student of the art of making change happen. It's, I guess it's in the DNA, (laughs) I suppose, having been a change consultant for so many years. And now with the work that I do, it's kind of, it's kind of mandatory. And one of the people I observe closely is Tara McMullen. Tara is the founder of the What Works Network and the host of the podcast with the same name. But Tara has worn many hats. She's been an employee in the book publishing industry, a freelancer designing websites, a blogger, a business strategist, a trainer, a coach. And you know, as I'm enumerating this, I'm probably forgetting one or two hats even. And by the way, when I say I observe... I mean, I read what she writes, I listen to her podcasts, I ask her questions on social media. By the way, if you're looking for a way to get to know your role model, that is one way that you can do it. But I digress. I told myself I cannot possibly be planning episode 100 of this podcast without asking Tara for a chat, which, thank goodness, she gladly accepted. I cannot wait to introduce her to you. In this episode, we talk behind the scenes what drives her pivots, how she validates her ideas, why she shares what she shares with people during. And, you know, when we get to talking about goal setting, in this case, setting goals for pivots and about resilience and bouncing back when things don't work out as planned, you really want to listen to those bits. This show, Second Breaks, is brought to you by Ant Thriving. Ant Thriving is a professional network supporting people who want to thrive in their chosen field of work. Ant Thriving members get access to one-on-one mentoring, resources and tools for designing and planning their career moves, and the opportunity to create valuable professional connections. This is actually a good time to explore if Ant Thriving is right for you because we are open for founding members this month. So be sure to check it out. You can learn more about End Thriving at endthriving.net. That's endthriving.net. Okie dokie, let's get on with the show. Tara McMullen has made a lot of pivots in her career and business. To set up our conversation, I wanted to first understand what drives these pivots. Is it a response to changes that she's observing in the marketplace? Or is it more of a reflection of her evolving interests? I think truthfully, the answer is it's a little bit of both. And it's almost always a little bit of both. Um, I think even if I think back to when I started my business, which is almost sort of the initial 
pivot. <laughs> Starting the business was was very much a pivot. And if anything, it was probably the biggest pivot in my whole story um, coming from, you know, really wrestling with the idea of wanting to have a career in academia, wanting to be a professional student, like if we're being honest here, um, and we are. Um, and, and then kind of coming through that, working into retail management because I had no idea what else to do with myself. It just, you know, that's where I fell into it. Um, thinking that that was potentially going to be a career, enjoying a lot of parts of that. Of course, there were lots of parts that were really awful as well. Um, but then really making a decision that I needed to take things into my own hands um, and that I couldn't, you know, it was going to be so frustrating to be constantly at the mercy of someone else saying, oh, no, you can have this job or you can't have this job or you can get into this department or you can't be in this department. Um, and I think that that was both a personal evolution, realizing that I needed to have a little bit more control. And also, I think it was a response to things happening actually in the marketplace, in the job marketplace. You know, so much has changed even in the last 10, 12 years in terms of what a career, a quote unquote career looks like, you know, what a job even looks like is a job, um, something that pays you for 40 hours of your time. And then you go home or is a job, you know, figuring out how you're going to mishmash these different things together and buy your own health insurance. And I think for a lot of us, it's becoming more and more the latter, uh, and less the former. And so I, I think that I could start to sense that, start to see that, that there weren't the jobs that I thought I was being prepared for all my life. Um, and those, those jobs were becoming fewer and uh, fewer. And at the same time, I wanted to have more control. And so starting a business or at the time, I didn't realize I was starting a business, but going out on my own and figuring out how I could create value so that I could then get paid seemed like the right direction to go. Um, and so, like I said, it was a little bit of both. Now, as I look over again, the, the last 10 years I have been in business for myself, again, I see a little bit of both happening all the time. Um, so whether it was shifting from being more of a blog focused business into being more of a service driven business, uh, that was certainly a response both to where I was at and what, how I felt I could offer value and, uh, to where the market was going. It was becoming harder and harder to just be a blogger and a lot easier um, and certainly more lucrative to have a service that you could provide. Um, when I look at sort of what's been the biggest chunk of my my career as a, as a business owner and entrepreneur so far, which was my sort of my quiet power strategy phase, um, that was, again, it was a response to me recognizing that I had something to offer more people than I could offer them with one-on-one -on -one coaching. And it was um, a response to the market looking at this gap between one-on-one -on -one business coaching and online courses and seeing a real opportunity right in the middle. Like, what if we could hybridize these things? What if we could um, create something that was highly personalized and at the same time could help as many people as possible? Uh, and then my most recent pivot, um, which... and. I should also want to say this whole time, it feels more, way more like an evolution to me <laughs> than a, a pivot 
per se. Um, but this last one was a pretty, was actually a pretty big pivot, um, where we shut down, um, sort of the, the programs and the offers that we had been working with for over five years and decided to go all in on a community based business model. And for me, again, it was both responding to the market and learning from my personal evolution. I had gotten more and more and more uncomfortable with the fact that people were looking for looking to me for answers to every question they had, because I didn't have all of those answers, right? Like, I don't care how smart I am. <laughs> and I'm not that smart. But I don't care how smart I am. I can't have all the answers to all of their questions. Um, and uh, I could start to see things happening in the market that I really did not like. Um, and I knew that the things that I didn't like were going to start not working really soon. And I think that we've really seen that play out over the last two years. Um, so in in my marketplace, that means things like online courses being harder to sell at higher price points. Um, it means things like uh, people just being really super saturated with advice culture, expert culture, um, and really being turned off by that. Um, and then on the personal evolution side of things, uh, yeah, just wanting to get back to bringing people together, talking to smart people on the internet. It's all I've ever really wanted to do. Um, and so that's kind of what has brought me to where I am now. But it's always been, I think, this combination of learning things about myself and continuing to endeavor to learn things about myself and increase my self-awareness at the same time, endeavoring to learn more and more about the market and what's going on there and becoming super aware of what's going on in the market as, at the same time. So it's it's definitely been a balancing act, but I think every single pivot or change or evolutionary point in my journey has been a combination of both of those things. The, that last thing that you said, so if, if you wouldn't mind, I, I want to take you all the way back to your, your first major pivot from when you started your, your business. But obviously, I know the behind the scenes about what how you were working at Borders, that book retail company. And um from the outside, it looks like, oh my goodness, she knew what was going to happen in the book <laughs> retail industry. Look at her jump ship before it happened. It was very obvious, uh, inside borders specifically, um, what was happening. And I left several years before they went bankrupt. Um, and, you know, Barnes & Noble is still with us. And I think had you asked me then if I thought Barnes & Noble would still be around uh, 12 years from then, I would have said, absolutely not. No, there's, there's no way in hell <laughs> that, that Barnes and Noble will still be around. So, um, I don't want to make it sound like I had some like next level understanding of where the publishing industry has gone. And really the publishing industry has gone some very interesting directions. I think in the last 10 years, there are, there have been big dips, but then there have been some really cool surprises, especially I think for book readers and authors. Um, and so I think that industry is just absolutely fascinating. But um, I could definitely, I definitely knew that a career at Borders was not a lifelong career. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we didn't know for sure then, but the writing had been on the wall for a while um, and it made sense. We were all sort of starting to look at what the next chapter was going to be. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so that 
that certainly led to some of my thinking, but also it was just a process of me growing up too. Like when I left borders, I had just had a baby, like just had a baby. Um, and at the same time had also been just denied a promotion, um, which was probably due to the fact that I was pregnant at the time. Um, and so I was starting to think about the fact that, you know, this wasn't the work environment that I wanted to be in. Not only was this an industry that probably wasn't going to have a lot of staying power, but it just was not the right work environment for me as I went from being 25 to 30 to 35. Um, and so I needed to be someplace where I could take care of myself and retail management was not that thing. Maybe in that particular case, the, the decision to leave that and pursue something else was, I don't know if it was easy or, you know, clear, but I, I wonder for the rest of the other times that you've made, you know, shifts in direction mm -hmm. and you've made a decision to pivot, how you validated your decisions. Like, um, for example, do you ask around, do you seek external input or validation to what you're doing? Yeah. So I definitely do a lot of research and I should say that probably every, every major change or major pivot that I've made in the last 10 to 12 years has started off as a time of like borderline despair. Like, oh my God, how did I get here? I don't know what's coming next. Um, and I, I'll, I'll be upfront and say that I've struggled with, um, chronic depression, most of my adult, like post adolescent life mm. basically. Um, and so sometimes it'll be, it'll be sort of a depressive episode. Other times it'll be just feeling really unmoored and mm. feeling really just like, I can't do this anymore. Super burnt out. Um, so it can, it can be different things, but it always starts there. And so there might be three or four months or even longer of a period where I'm both experiencing that, like, I don't know what's next kind of feeling. And at the same time, I think when I'm experiencing that, I'm open to different input than I'd be open to otherwise. So I'm seeing things differently than I would otherwise see. I'm pursuing uh, ideas that I might not have otherwise pursued um, and not always in the healthiest ways, not always in the um, like in a really intentional way. But I think that that's what's going on during those periods, because then what ends up happening is that all of that input um, that I get during those times starts to add up into something that looks a lot more like a plan. And so once I have that plan and that's when I start feeling better, it's like, okay, I've, uh, I can do this. I know what's coming up next. Once I have that plan there, I don't do a whole lot of like research or external validation, but it's because I've done so much research and sort of market validation beforehand. I've been testing things. I've been, um, talking to people. I've been doing research. Um, and, it, it's not that I'm doing research in that case to like prove something or to validate something. It's simply to give me the information that I need to then start to put those puzzle pieces together to come up with what the next plan is. And I trust myself enough to know or to hope <laughs> that um, once I've got all of the information and I've come up with that plan, I will validate by through the process of of experimentation as I move forward with that plan. So no plan is ever really set in stone. I think that's 
never a good idea. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, so as then I'm executing on that plan, that's when sort of iterative validation happens little bit by little bit by little bit and I'll change things up and things will evolve and things will, um, you know, they'll make them opportunities will make themselves known. Um, but that's kind of the, the process that those pivots take in terms of research and validation. Do you have what I think Seth Godin refers to it as your, your personal board of directors? Do you, ha- do you have the equivalent of that, that your go-to group of people that would always bounce off this thing that I want to do? Yeah, I mean, I think of it less as sort of like a board of directors, because to me, that feels like those people almost know better than I do. I definitely have a peer support group. Um, So I have a a mastermind group kind of um, we don't meet regularly anymore, but we're still in really close contact in terms of the changes that we make in our businesses or in our personal lives. And so those women, I will absolutely reach out to any time I'm looking at even a minor decision, you know, is this the, is this the right thing? Uh, like for instance, uh, back in, uh, November, December, we decided to change the name of our community. And as soon as we even, as soon as a as the team even started to float that idea, I ran it past those women. Like, all right, here's what's on the table. What do you think? Give me your gut response. And, you know, as you know, the gut response they all had was like, yes, Tara, like, please, like, just don't even think about it anymore. (laughs) That's perfect. Keep going. Um, So so I do have that group of people and they have been insanely valuable to me over the last few years. A couple of years ago, you made a decision to make this, what for me, looks like a humongous shift in identity, right? Like, Uh So you moved away from being... Um, I initially knew you as a business strategist, a business coach, a business trainer, and then you deliberately, intentionally uh, moved away from that identity and embraced and went all in into the What Works community, what was then yeah. called co-commercial. And then, and so you now wear this this different hat altogether, this very different hat. And so for me, it's a huge like change, at least for me. Um, did you ever have... Um, what's, uh, you know, in, in the world of people who are making career changes, this identity crisis, I'm like, oh, well, who am I? It's certainly, I, I felt that way. Like, who am I now that I'm not a PwC consultant? So did you ever have that? Like, who am I now that I'm not this? Yeah, such a good question. Okay, so um, speaking of hats, I would say that the hat that I wear now is the hat that I've actually had on for the last 10 years. I started my business as a community builder. I am a community builder again. I never really took that hat off. It's always been on top of my head, but I also then put this other hat on top of it, which was the business coach, business strategist, business trainer hat. And I wore that hat on top of my community builder hat (laughs) um, for about six, seven years. Um, And so I would say, yes, there was an identity crisis, but the identity crisis happened on the business strategist side of things, like realizing this is not who I really want to be. I don't want Ah. to be a small business expert. I'm not a small business expert. I know a lot about small business. I know a lot about marketing. I know a lot about all sorts of things, but that's not 
me and it's not how I want to show up. And it's certainly not how I want to sell myself. And so I decided to take that over hat off and set it off to the side and get back to the hat that I've always worn. I mean, I think if you look, yeah, I think if you look at our programs throughout the time that I was a small business expert, um, you see the community building at the heart of it still, right? Like when we were running uh, quiet power strategy, my ultimate vision was getting people together in small groups to talk with a, a strategist, um, to form these sort of micro support communities. That was what I wanted. I always wanted people to be working together to solve their business problems. But the way things were set up, because I didn't know any better, because that's what I was seeing modeled, everyone was looking to me to solve their problems. It's like, okay, this does not work. This is not who I am. This is not how I want to show up. So my um, identity crisis didn't happen in the last two years. It happened before that. That's what created the pivot. Now that's not to say that I haven't had to really consciously work through my identity now as a community builder, a facilitator, a connector of people. Um, because what I find is, or what I have found is that there is so much of my, so much of the way I show up that is still sort of in that, um, in that business expert Men, like role, um, the way I marketed uh, our community for so long, I was still marketing like a business expert instead of a community builder. The way we uh, ran our content, I was making content like a business expert instead of a community builder. So there was all these pieces of the puzzle where I had to realize, oh, you're still holding on to that old unhelpful identity. So it's not that there wasn't a crisis now. But there has been this very conscious kind of unweaving of all the different ways that old identity that I didn't want to have anymore was still infiltrating the way I was showing up online. Something that I've heard you talk about before, which is this, sometimes we have a tendency to set a goal or whatever, like in this particular case, a pivot, right? Being the goal. Um, Only when we know what it is. Like, oh, yeah. like we set the goal for something that we know how to do, right? Yeah. Or something along those lines. I think that's sometimes that's what gets them stuck with what they feel like they don't know enough yet of what it is. I think this is huge. Um, and I think it's totally reasonable that we default to setting goals that we know how to achieve. But I think that there is a lot more to be learned by setting goals you don't know how to achieve. So I believe there should always be a gap between where you're at now and the goal that you're setting. Otherwise, if there isn't a gap, why are you setting that goal? Like you could just have that thing. Like right now, you'd probably just need to change your behavior some. Um, You already know how to get it. You're just not doing it. And to me, that means... Like if there's a goal that I have and I know how to get it, but I'm not doing those things, that means I don't care about that goal as much as I should. And so I need to find a different goal. And one of the ways I do that is by setting goals I don't know how to achieve because I love the process of figuring out 
how to achieve things or figuring out how to do something so much. Um, but I think that regardless of, of where your interests are, kind of creating that gap between where you are now and what that goal is that you have is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows you what you need to learn. It shows you who you need to enlist for help. Um, it shows you it shows you kind of um, who you need to become um, because a lot of our goal setting, a lot of our career pivots, a lot of our, um, you know, just the changes, the evolution that we make is also about becoming someone new. It's not just how our career evolves. It's how we evolve. Um, and so I don't want to be the person that I know I can be. I want to be the person I don't know I can be, right? Like, and to me, that's been like, one of the most exciting parts of the last 10 years is like realizing I can be this person. Holy heck, what else could I be? Like, let's talk about that and start working for that. When you're in that phase, when you're beginning to pursue a a particular direction and you're beginning to test things out, are you telling people like, are you announcing that this is what I'm doing? Are you... I guess because th- that that's another thing, right? So there's there's this part where, well, you know, I I don't want to look like a flake to others as I'm making this this test, but at the same time, I want to share, or what should I share, or how do I invite people into the process? Um, I, I w- was wondering how you go about that sensitive balancing thing. Yeah, I th- so I think different people have different levels of risk tolerance for this, or maybe flake tolerance. <laughs> Um, I tend to announce early and share publicly um, and transparently when I'm experimenting with something new. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are times when that doesn't make sense, for sure. Um, There are times when you do want to do things quietly um, and then build up to something that's a bigger reveal. I'm and I do believe that there are times when that's important. I'm also really not good at that. I like talking about the behind the scenes. I like being transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, I like kind of sharing my learning as I go. And I think that in our media environment today, a willingness to do that is rewarded way more times than it's not. Um And I think that if you are, if you know you're going to change something, if you know you're pivoting, if you know that you're going in a new direction, if you know that you're just evolving, there's nothing wrong with changing as you go or, or sorry, talking about it as As you you go. go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if you're considering a change, but you don't know if you're going to change or not, that's, that's kind of when you stay quiet. I don't think it looks flaky to be like, things are changing. I'm going to talk about it as they go. I don't know exactly where it's headed yet, but I know that things are going to change, or I know that I'm going to take a few steps in a new direction. There's nothing wrong with, with talking about that. And Mm -hmm. I, I love that process of sharing that. And I love the process of saying, Hey, I don't know exactly what, what is happening here, um, and where this is going to end up. But these, this is what I do know. This is what I believe. And like, come along with me. Um, I, uh, from a business perspective, at least, and maybe it might be different from a career perspective. And I'd love to know what you think about that. But from a business perspective, I think that openness and transparency is, like I said, rewarded way more often than not. So if you are clear on that, why not share it? Why not 
share the journey because you're going to get a lot of uh, input back from that. And that's going to then uh, inform how you take the next steps and the next steps after that. So for me, it's um, any kind of evolution like that is going to be co-created to a certain degree with my audience. I have a clear direction or I have a clear hypothesis about what's next and where I'm going, but that could very well be changed by the input I get from other people. But I can't get that input if I'm not open to it and if I'm not sharing about what's going on. Exactly. And along the same lines, when I was in corporate America, I had always benefited whenever I felt brave enough to talk to my mentors or my advisors and say, this is kind of what I'm thinking, or uh, this is where I want to sort of uh, direct my attention in the next couple of years. And I always get advice or not not advice advice but like a shared experience like they would share with me what they went through or what what certain things that I could be thinking about or should be thinking about that I may not even be considering and sometimes I get um, quote-unquote insider information that I didn't yeah. about the company or where the company is headed that I wouldn't even know if I had not been brave enough to share and obviously in a in a company when you're in a corporation it, it, it there's like a an art to talking about it so that mm-hmm. it doesn't look like you're looking to jump ship or anything like that but there is always that you know that that art as you said before like every we start with a plan but as soon as we start <laughs> executing the plan, things change and we find out, oh, that's not actually how it works or whatever. It doesn't always work out as we thought about or designed it. And from the outside, it lo- you look very resilient. You look very nimble and, you know, always able to adjust, refine things as you go along. And so I was wondering, how do you stay resilient? How do you, what's your stri- <laughs> your trick for not being like, oh, frustrated and, and uh, this didn't work out. I thought it was going to be, you know, how do you, how do you stay resilient? <laughs> so I think that the people who know me best um, and like, okay, I, let's just say my husband, I think Sean would agree with you that I am resilient, that I'm really good at bouncing back, that I'm really good at, um, kind of staying on top of things um, and staying positive uh, even when things are in flux. And he would also tell you, and I will tell you, that I get burnout, I get frustrated, I cry, I get angry, I get despondent, (laughs) you know, seriously. And um, that's okay. I'm okay with that right? Like there's no one promised me as a small business owner that my life was going to be hunky dory or that once I got to a certain revenue level, everything was going to be okay. Or once my email list size got big enough, everything was going to be okay. Cause that's, if someone promises you that like run the other direction, that's really bad. (laughs) That's not true. Right. And anytime when you are kind of pushing the envelope and uh, kind of moving forward with new ideas or making a pivot, um, things are in flux and you don't know as many answers to as many questions as you'd like to. And there are going to be things that don't go the way that you want them to go. And so for me, it's one, accepting that, knowing that there are going to be hard times Mm. um, and that they end, right? They always end. 
They always end and things get better. Things might not get better the way you thought they were going to get better, but they get better. Um, and so that's one thing. Um, and recognizing for me, often I can see it happen throughout the year. Like I know what the patterns are. I know when I start to get twitchy, I know when I start to get burnt out. And if I can actually plan for that in my year and know like, all right, the first week of December, it's probably going to suck. It always sucks. What can I do about that? Or what can I do to prepare for that? Um, then that's that's really helpful. Um, and then for me, the other piece of this, and this has become something that's been much more important to me over the last few years, is working on myself, working on myself mm. as a leader, working on myself as a woman, working on myself as a human being. Um, so that when those rough patches happen and I do get frustrated and I do break down in tears, um, I have way more skills. I have more tools in my, in my toolkit to bounce back from that. And, you know, to know that if I'm feeling really frustrated at work, it is absolutely okay to cut out early, head to the gym and make myself feel better or to take a walk and ask myself some big questions or to have a difficult conversation with my husband or my team and, um, you know, and use that to kind of set the stage for getting back on top of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it is, it's recognizing and accepting that there's, there are going to be frustrating times, um, and also working on myself. And at the same time, um, you know, what you said about, you know, me seeing all seeming always very resilient and, um, optimistic and, you know, kind of positive outlook on things. I think that there's also a measure of what I share and that I want to be honest and transparent. Um, and, you know, our, our thing at What Works is candid conversations. I want to have candid conversations with people. And also, I tend to do that once I've already processed stuff, right? So I don't share the fact that I'm in the corner of my home office crying. I've never done that. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not on Instagram live being like, oh, my God. It's so hard. Um, that's not me. I don't know that it really should be anybody. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of value to acknowledging that that happened once you've processed it. And that actually makes me look more resilient and more on top of things than uh, than just ignoring it. And we also learn how you get past it, how you got yeah, past it, as exactly. opposed to, oh, Tara, it's all going to be okay. You know, that kind of... <laughs> feedback that you get. But something that you said that reminded me actually um, of uh, something I read uh, from one of Seth Godin's book. You know, he said something along the lines of um, when we say, don't worry, everything's going to work out. It doesn't mean that everything's going to work out the way that you want it to work out. Right. It just means that whatever is going to happen, you're going to be able to get through past it. You're going to be able to handle it. So when we say that, it doesn't mean Exactly as planned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me and for, I think, any small business owner, but also so many people who are in corporate America, who are working their way up in an organization, we're problem solvers. Like, that's why we're in the positions that we're in. Uh, it's why we've gotten into the work that we've gotten into. And so, yeah, I think when you think about like, okay, I'm in this rough patch. Um, I know everything's going to work out. It's on you to work it out, right? But 
it's a, it's a problem that you have to work out. And when you start thinking about it that way, like this is a puzzle, I need to figure out how these different pieces come together to create something that I'm thrilled with, right? Not just something I can live with, but something that I'm thrilled with that kind of a challenge. When I can start to recognize that the reason I'm feeling bad is a problem. And that problem is a puzzle. That's something that I can get really excited about. And then everything turns around and it's great. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. I totally love that. I'm going to rewind that for myself and <laughs> write it all over the place. Um, do you have a book or two even that's meant a lot to you, has made an impact on you that you wouldn't mind recommending? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to recommend an author first, um, if that's okay, because really, I, if I'm having a hard time picking one book that she wrote um, that's impacted me the most. And this is not a this is not a business author. This is a life author, um, and that's Anne Lamott. And Anne Lamott writes um, about life and about the questions that we ask ourselves and the little things that go wrong and go right. Um, she writes about faith. She writes about uh, writing. She writes about family. Um, but I find that her books really kind of get my juices flowing in terms of just becoming a better human um, thinking about things in a different way. Um, and I just really love her attitude and perspective and irreverence. And I just, I love, I love her specifically. If you, if I did have to pick one of her books, I would, I would actually recommend her book on writing, which is called bird by bird. Um, and I think there's so much to be learned in bird by bird that applies not just to writing, although I think learning to write, is very important. Um, <laughs> learning to write well is very important. Um, but it applies to the way we think about business, the way we think about our careers. Um, and if you just kind of tweak what she's talking about just a little bit, you can draw so much insight on, on to, or into whatever it is that your work is struggling with. Um, and then the second one I wanted to recommend is something that um, I just very recently consumed. Um, and it is, she did refer to it as a book, but it's actually an audio program on Audible. Um, and it's by Mel Robbins. And the name of the book is Take Control of Your Life. Um, and this book actually had me tear up in the gym twice, not one time, but two times, uh, because the questions that she asked and the people that she talked to and the, the way that she presented uh, sort of the habits that we get ourselves into unknowingly because of our stress responses and our fear responses uh, just really ripped me open. Um, and so kind of going back to this idea of resilience and of becoming a better human um, that book, I, I think about it still every single day. So I wanted to throw that out there. As so Mel Robbins, of course, is the author of the five second right. rule. So the, this thing that you mentioned is after that book is a yes. more recent thing. It's more you, recent. Oh, gotcha, yeah. She gotcha. just released it. I want to say it was in January. Yeah, I think it was January, uh, end of January, she released it. And it's only available on Audible, so I'm sorry for that. But, but it is well worth either your free trial or one of your credits for the month um, or, you know, the $9.95 it costs to add it onto your Prime account. Um, get that. You can cancel it then right away. But get this book. It's really, really good. But don't listen to it in the gym unless you're willing to cry in the gym. Yes, good tip. So finally, Tara, where are all the places that we can find you online? 
Yeah. So I will make it very, very simple. Um, there are two places that I recommend people connecting with me. One is on our podcast. Uh, so the podcast is simply called What Works. Uh, you can find it in whatever podcast app you listen to Second Breaks, um, or you can find it at explorewhatworks.com. Uh, so if you want the show notes, if you want... Um, if you just want to listen to it on the website, that's totally fine. Explorewhatworks.com. On the podcast, um, we do a little bit of a different thing for a business interview show. Uh, we kind of take people behind the scenes of a particular business owner's business, um, and we look at a particular aspect of their business. So we really deep dive into a system or an approach mm -hmm. that they have or their product development or maybe a mindset issue that they've worked through. Um, and we really go deep on one particular thing. So it's not an advice show. It's not a story show. It's very much looking at the nitty gritty of how people actually run their businesses. Um, and then the second place you can find me is on Instagram. Um, and I'm on Instagram way more often than I should be. So it's a great place to connect with me. You can shoot me a message. You can comment on something. Just, mm -hmm. uh, check out my stories. You can get all my workout tips that I know Lou is into. <laughs> and you can find me uh, at Tara underscore McMullen. Perfect. Tara is so grateful that you shared all these things with me today and my audience. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so grateful for all your great questions, Lou. Thank you so much for having me. So I hope that you found this episode useful and I would love to hear from you. What is one or two things that you took away from my conversation with Tara? You can hit me up on Instagram and let me know. You can find me at Lou Blazer on Instagram. I would love, love, love to hear from you. That about wraps it up for this episode. You can find links and show notes at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 98. Thank you so much for listening and being with me for a few minutes today. I cannot wait to chat with you again next week. I will be back with a new topic and a new guest to help inspire and motivate you to step into the future that you want. Until then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans.